Or if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, we'll break our series on the book of Mark, if you don't mind. Uh, I know you don't mind because I'm minding the Lord, amen? Preach what he says. But uh, what a great special, and the choir's going to sing several specials that they've sung all year tonight. So they're going to have their cantata or cantator tonight, amen? But I tell you what, that message in song was worth it all. I tell you, that was a powerful, powerful song, Brother Randy. Thank you for finding that one, amen, or whoever found it, amen. I'll take it and uh, run to the spiritual bank with that in my heart because it spoke to my heart about the real meaning of Christmas. A lady lost her uh, handbag in the hustle of Christmas shopping the other day, and it was found by an honest little boy and returned to her. And looking in her purse, she com commented, hmm, that's funny. When I lost my bag, there was a $20 bill in it. Now there are $21 bills. The boy quickly replied, That's right, lady. The last time I found a lady's purse, she didn't have any change for the reward. Amen? That's a, that's a smart retriever. Say amen. Now I'm going to pop all y'all's bubble because I am convinced that Santa is a woman. Let me tell you why. Number one, Blitzen's rack would already be on the way to the taxidermist. Number two, if uh, 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 men's can't, uh, men can't pack a bag. Number three, men would rather be dead than caught wearing red velvet. <clears throat> Number four, men don't answer their mail. Number five, men would refuse to allow their physique to be described even in jest as anything remotely a bowl full of jelly. <laughs> Amen. And number six, and lastly, um, men would all uh, uh, see. Uh, Santa did have a reindeer. He didn't have transportation problems because he would eventually get lost up there in the snow and the clouds, and then refuse to stop and ask for directions. Amen. So I'm convinced Santa is a woman. Amen. <clears throat> It's amazing what I'll do for a laugh, amen? You never thought I would mention that person from this pulpit, amen? All right, I'm not going to kill Christmas for some of you parents, but uh, I sure would like to. Isaiah chapter 9, and let's go with verse 6 and 7. I'll preach half of this this morning, half of it tonight. I'm going to preach a message tonight on how to get stressed out of your life, how to, how to never get depressed again, and number two is, how to get over the heartache of this past year. Now, if you don't need any of those things, uh, please come up here and preach this message because I need them. I'm going to be preaching on the Prince of Peace and how to have the peace of God. And that is the greatest gift that you receive. Everybody gets a free gift that comes to church tonight, the peace of God. So uh, don't miss it. Don't miss it. I don't know why I'm pushing it so much. I guess because I'm afraid everybody's going to be at the mall, but I know you better than that. You're more spiritual than that. Amen. Getting quiet in here. I better really pray. Amen. Praise God. I'm losing the peace of God while I'm making this now. <laughs> Let, let's stand on the Word of God. I appreciate you being here this morning, and I appreciate uh, what God's going to say through His Word. Verse 6. Can I remind you that 740 years before the fact this is written, this makes me believe the Bible. I won two boys to the Lord uh, Tuesday night at the YDC, and 
and uh, one of them's from Brooklyn, New York, rough guy. And he said, you know, this ain't no place for anybody to spend Christmas in, is it, preacher? I said, no, but you can, you can, if you really got saved, as you said you just got saved, you won't have to spend many more years. He says, unfortunately, I have many years to spend in prison. And so, you know, thank God for salvation, amen? Thank God for the YDC ministry. Been going there 35 years, and it's one of my favorite places to preach. But listen to this, and this is what I gave him. Uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, say it with me, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the Bible says in verse 7, Of the increase of the government and peace there shall be to no end, upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Folks, the word the Lord of hosts is a powerful term that I'll get into tonight. But I thank God for the almighty God that came to this earth, humbled himself, came of no reputation, was obedient, even obedient to death, that we can be saved. You ought to thank God for Christmas. You ought to thank God for the gift of eternal salvation. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful song service and the good handshaking time. Just rejoice over Lewis and God. Just thank God for the miracles and families' lives this year. God, to be able to pray for Miss Opal's uh, grandson that's uh, down at Emory. Dear God, it's just a blessing to have a church family to bear one another's burdens, to love one another, to encourage one another. God, it's more than sending a card. God is sending our hearts to each other because we love each other as a family. And I thank you for this church. Lord, this is the greatest Christmas I've ever had, God, when it comes to celebrating your birth with your family. Lord, it's wonderful to be in the house of God on this uh, uh, particular season and think about why you came to us. And the reason you came to us. And Lord, the result of what happened because you came to us. So Lord, if there's one that has not received the greatest gift of all, salvation, I pray today they would trust you as their personal Savior. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the summer of 1969, I just graduated from high school. I know I looked that old and I acted. I was the first class of Columbia High School, I mean the first class, glad it wasn't the last, 1969, but in July 20th of that summer, something happened that was pretty big, a man landed on the moon, and President Nixon said this, and I hate to disrespect the president saying this, but he was dead wrong, he said this, the planting of human feet upon the moon is the greatest event in the human history. And I'll say this, no disrespect. He did a lot of things wrong, but he was a president, so I ain't disrespecting him. I believe the greatest event in human history was not when some human feet was planted on the moon, which I hadn't understood what we got out of that trip anyway. Amen? I mean, there's no cheese or nothing they brought back. Amen? 
I, I hadn't I hadn't figured that one out. I've been I've really been trying. I think they got some rocks, so praise God for that. Amen. We spent millions of dollars to get some moon rocks. But he, the, the greatest event in human history, and I believe you'll agree with me, is not the planting of human feet upon the moon. But when God came to earth and his feet was planted upon this soul, for my soul and your soul. I believe it was the greatest event in human history and in eternal history is that God came to us. We call it the incarnation. Folks, the almighty God stepped out of heaven and came to redeem our unworthy souls. 713 years thereabouts, Isaiah makes a birth announcement. And folks, the whole supernatural life of Jesus described in his wonderful name. I wanted to sing that chorus, and we, maybe we can find it at the end of the uh, service, Brother Cody. His name is wonderful. I don't know who wrote it, but his name is wonderful. And this birth announcement was wonderful. I love Isaiah, don't you? Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. Isaiah 53 will even win a Jew to the Lord. Amen. The greatest description of Calvary, most powerful description, and the prophecy of his coming kingdom in Isaiah chapter 35. But this morning I want to preach just a few minutes, I've always wanted to do that, on the revelation of his name, or his name is wonderful. Look at this verse 6. It says, for unto you a child is born. Now folks, that's, that's the virgin born son of God, because look at Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. He said this 742 years before the fact. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, chapter 7 verse 14 with me. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Folks, the word Emmanuel means God with us. But I want to tell you something, folks. God is for us and God came to us for us to be saved. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us. See, religion tries to get good enough to get to heaven. But folks, relationship is realizing that Jesus was good enough to give up heaven and come to this world, praise God. Don't seem, seem like I'm getting out today. Uh, he, he came to this world because we couldn't come to him, and he offers eternal salvation, which is the gift of all gifts. First of all, I want you to see that Christ was wonderful in his birth. Wonderful in his birth. The Bible says in verse 6, For unto us a child is born. But then it also says, Unto us a son is given. And so folks, Gabriel's message to Mary was unto you there's a Savior. But I want to tell you something, folks, there was more than just a Savior. There was a king that was being born. The king of kings. And the Lord of lords, the lords with a little L, praise God. Don't let any Lord come before your God, because he could take that Lord down, as in Dagog. But folks, listen, Gabriel's message to, to Mary is so beautiful. Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, and I know we studied this in Sunday school, but I've just got to uh, read it real quick. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and what a great faith that this Mary had. By the way... I don't think she was the mother of God. She was the mother of Jesus. Amen? And I think the Catholic Church is, is really disgraceful that it tries to cover up the pedophiles called Holy Father. I think that's pathetic. Amen? And I want to tell you why. Religion can never be measured up to. 
and man-made requirements such as you can't be married to serve God is another farce, amen? And I think our front page uh, showed that. So if you, dear Catholic friend, are a Catholic, you need to get out of that religion and get saved and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And I, I, I'm really disturbed by that. But look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'll get the Christmas spirit by tonight, don't worry. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now listen to this. And the angel came unto him and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Now folks, those two words mean grace. If you want to spell Christmas in a different way and a more powerful way than Christmas, you can, you can spell it G-R-A-C-E. For we know the grace of God that, that he that was rich became poor for your sake that ye might be rich through his poverty. Uh, a paraphrase of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. But it goes on to say, highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. I want you to notice the word among. Not over women. Mary's not to be worshipped. Mary is not the interceder, say amen. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by Him. And no person, no saint, no uh, preacher uh, should be exalted above the Lord Jesus Christ, say amen. And so folks, we see this great birth announcement. And it, should, it probably startled her. And when he, and it, look at, look at uh, verse 29, among women. And when, and when he saw Him, she was troubled, you would have been too, at his saying, and cast, and cast in her mind what matter of salutation this would, should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou art found favor with God. There's the grace again. Amen. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. I like that all caps in my Bible. I mean, you got one of those funny Bibles, it probably don't even have Jesus in it. But look at this. And it says, And you shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give unto him the throne of the father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Folks, the angel had it straight when he appeared to Mary. And folks, I want to tell you something, folks. It, he was, it was wonderful in his birth. It was wonderful in his conception that God the Father's blood flowed through uh, those veins to, to, to give him pure blood and undefiled blood. He's the Lamb of God. He's never sinned. He's a holy Father that cannot sin and will not sin. And he's the sinless Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. And folks, it's a miracle, a miracle of uh, the taxing that brought Beth, uh, brought them to Bethlehem as the Sunday school lesson said 75 miles is that right brother Jack 75 mile learn something in Sunday school amen 2300 feet of climbing it was above sea level higher than where they were at and folks I want to tell you why she had that baby quick if you was riding on a donkey nine months pregnant you'd have a baby too say amen that's a rough ride amen that's one horsepower with no shocks and I want to say this friend thank God for his timing but Micah chapter 5 verse 2 
says that he would be born in Bethlehem, and so God used taxation to bring him to the exact place. It's wonderful that all the prophecies fulfilled by, in, to the minute detail. Uh, oh, folks, listen, it's wonderful in his birth that the arrival of the wise man came about three years later. Took him that long. He was at the house, not the manger. You ever see three wise men in a manger? Kick them back just a little. Don't burn them. Don't throw them out the door. Amen. Like our youth pastor one time burnt Santa Claus at the, at, the, at, the, um, uh, at the stake for our children's church and almost got me fired. I did not authorize that. That was in Claxton. The guy was crazy. But I want to say this. I mean, it's fun being in the ministry. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, that's where I got here. But folks, listen, the arrival of the wise men, they came to the house. And I used to like to go up to Highland Park when it was Highland Park and uh, see that, that play where they'd have that little boy stand on top of that carpenter's uh, box and, and all those magi and those kings would come down those aisles and boy, it was wonderful, praise God. And I said, wait a minute, he wasn't at the manger, he was at his house, amen. They found him in a shack probably because they were so poor. But thank God, folks, that's miraculous, that's wonderful. He's wonderful in his life. Jesus was wonderful in his life. Look at Isaiah chapter 32, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 2. We'll try to stay in Isaiah the rest of the message for a few minutes. I can't wait to get the Prince of Peace uh, displayed to you tonight through the Word of God. But Isaiah chapter 32, verse 2, the Bible says, And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Folks, here's the promise that during the tribulation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, thank God, will overrule all. And folks, he'll come right before the tribulation, and he'll catch us out, called the rapture. And then after the tribulation, he's coming, and he's ruling and reigning, and he's setting everything in order. And by the way, there'll never be peace on this earth until he does that. Amen? Completely. And folks, the arrival of, of the wise men, but folks, Jesus is wonderful in his life. The display of his love. The display of his power. I want you to turn. I can't stay in Isaiah. I got to go to John chapter 1 verse 1. Amen. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm going to be led of the Lord again. John chapter 1 verse 1. Uh, I want you to see this powerful uh, description of his life. Why he came. Why he came to this earth. Uh, why he uh, gave up the splendor and glory of heaven. Uh, folks, is summed up in this one uh, verse. Um, John chapter 1 and verse 1 the Bible says and in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God thank God folks uh, he's God he was God in the flesh when he was born in a manger say amen and I want to folks he displayed the love of God look at verse 14 same chapter John chapter 1 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we behold his beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace there's that word again and truth folks listen Jesus had a word for you his name is Jesus it's communication of a thought is what a word is and folks his word is you don't you've never seen God you don't know about God but if you'll see Jesus, you'll see God. And to see Jesus is to see God. He's the Logos. He's the Word. He's the communication. He's the voice of God. Folks, He's the display of God. 
He's the manifestation of God, mentioned five times in 1 John. And folks, I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to us and we couldn't come to Him. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, before we get back to Isaiah. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 16. I like John 3, 16, but I like 1 Timothy 3, 16 too. The Bible says this. It says, uh, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Folks, listen, what a great description of why God came to this world. And his life, he was manifesting God in the flesh. Manifesting God in the flesh. We worship the sinless Savior who meets people's needs in crisis. And by the way, every person on this earth is in a crisis. It's called sin. And you can't buy your way out of it. You can't pay your way out of it. You can't get good enough to get out of it. There's only one way. There's only one way to be saved, and that Jesus paid it all. He came to this earth to go to Calvary to be your divine substitute. Now back to Isaiah. But go to 53, chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. I've been so excited about this message. Even with a head cold, I'm getting excited about it. Amen? Isaiah 53, verse 6. I love this chapter. You know, it goes on to say, Who has believed our report? There's that logos again. There's the word of God, Jesus. And whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. When you shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's born in a feed trough. Look at this. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But we, listen to this, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes... We are healed. And here's the verse. All we like sheep have gone astray. You're all sinners. We're all sinners. We have turned every, listen now, one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's two alls in that verse. We're all sinners, but we can all be saved because he took our sin debt. Amen? Thank God. It's not left up to us. He's wonderful in his supernatural life. He came to this earth to be your lamb. He came to this earth to be your savior. The propitiation of God's justice. That means satisfying his justice. He, the wage of sin is death. Somebody had to die and Jesus took your death. The wage of sin is hell and Jesus took your hell. Hey friend, I want to tell you something. If that's not a great gift, I don't know what a great gift is, but I want to tell you something. Don't let anything clutter this season with the tinsels of distraction 
of the flesh over the things of the world. It's a sin. It's an awful, terrible, humanistic sin to let anything distract you from the real reason to see. Jesus is wonderful in his birth. He was wonderful. His name is wonderful. Can't get off that. Look back at our text in Isaiah chapter 9. His name is wonderful. Wonderful. Because, friend, he's a wonderful Savior. He's a wonderful Lord. But I want to say also, he's the mighty God. And he's the everlasting, everlasting Father. He's a counselor. He's a counselor. You know, friend, he's wonderful in his sovereign nobility. In verse 6, it says that uh, a son is given. That predicts that, that he'll be deity, that he's Christ, he's God, he's God-man. And he lives forever, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and then his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Counselor. It's wonderful, folks, in his birth. It was wonderful in his life. But it was wonderful, folks, in his kingdom. Isaiah 35 talks about his kingdom that will come. Uh, Revelation 19 verse 11 says he's coming as, on a white horse and we're going to ride an army behind him. I've never liked horses because I fell off one one time and got caught in the stirrup and it drug me across a pasture that was somewhat rough. And uh, I never have liked horses too much. I never have rode horses too much. My granddaughter in South Africa loved horses. And uh, she got one for Camp Rhino, I think. But you know something? One day I'll love riding on a horse because I'm on the winning side. And it's going to be a wonderful time of coming to this earth and ruling and reigning with him. Amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, Isaiah 35 talks about this millennial reign. And matter of fact, in Isaiah 35, 1, you want to see Merry Christmas written out plain and clear. Here it is. Isaiah 35, verse 1. The Bible says, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. Even the desert is going to say Merry Christmas. (laughs) Amen. The rose is going to blossom in the middle of the desert. The millennial reign. Folks, listen. I want you to know that he's king of kings and he's lord of lords, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Isaiah chapter 9, the final phrase of verse 7 says this. It says, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will perform this. Folks, if you miss the fact that there's a cradle, but there's also a cross, and there's also a crown, you have missed the real meaning of Christmas. He was born to die. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. He was born as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want to say this. He'll never cease to be King of kings and Lord of lords. He'll never cease to be Lord. Folks, don't look at him as some helpless baby. He humbled himself, came of no reputation, and died on the cross, but he was still king. He still was in control. He was still over it all. And I get kind of excited about that, Grant, that, folks, the King of kings was born in that manger. What an immaculate conception. What a miraculous miracle it is in the, nobility, the, the sovereign nobility of God. 
Oh, friend, listen. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. He's able. If you miss the cradle and the cross and the crown together, you've missed the real reason of Christmas. I must close, but I will continue tonight. He's also wonderful in his wisdom. He's wonderful in his wisdom. Counselor. That speaks of his wisdom. The world, and I won't be careful here, but I really don't care. The world has a lot of substitute for Christ at Christmas. There is no way an elf is going to give you wisdom or direction, or luck, or anything else. You can smile if you want to. You can laugh if you want to. You can carry this to the store after you buy five or six of them to hang around your house. But I want to say this, friend. There's a lot of things in this world that distract from the real meaning of Christmas. Now, I believe it's hard to have these things going on as long as you don't put them before God. Because you put them before God, they become a curse. Anything you put before God aching, becomes a curse and you can lose it all any Lord before God can be taken away even your own life when you say I'm more important than worship of God oh friend listen wisdom is putting God first wisdom is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness hey I want to tell you something counseling speaks of wisdom and what is this it's when wisdom is when wisdom is worthless it's when it's not available when when it cannot be applied to your life and I want to tell you something the mighty wonderful counselor came to you and he abides in you and through his word and through his spirit he will guide you into all wisdom that beats sitting at home being depressed in your selfish bitterness during this season. Or your activities. They become an anesthetic for unspirituality. Breaks my heart. To realize that we have to compete with the mall. And compete with, Santa, compete with Santa Claus. And elves. And festivities. And family get togethers. And all kinds of stuff around the Christmas season. When Christ should be first. Now I believe in that. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. All my kids are coming up. And I thank God for it. And it's going to be a wonderful time. And we'll eat our traditional lasagna. We're an Italian family. But a lasagna. <laughs> and it's going to be wonderful. And I like it. I love it. I'm not a Scrooge. I, I, we have people left our church because we decorated the, the, the stuff here. Well, goodbye. I'm sorry. We're going to do it. Amen. But I want to say this, friend. You can, listen to me. You can get all those things going on, but counsel from the Lord is worth it all because it came to us. This counselor made a house call. (laughs) He became of no reputation. He was obedient, even obedient to the death of the cross that, folks, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And he ought to be Lord of all. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Our wonderful counselor came to us. He came in a manger. He even announced it to a bunch of lowly shepherds. 
and said unto you. And I want to tell you something, folks. The wisest things those shepherds did was leave those paschal lambs, those lambs that were about to be sacrificed on the altar, and leave those shadows and come to the shepherd, the shepherd. And they came back, and they were never the same. Folks, when wise men came to worship him, they worshiped him not as a baby, excuse me, a toddler in a carpenter's shop. They worshiped him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And I will tell you something, if a Jehovah Witness ever knocks on your door, ask them if they worship Jesus. And they'll say, no, we don't worship Jesus. And you'll say, well, you're not biblical. Amen? Because the Bible says the kings worship Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something, they don't believe Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is God, but he is. And I feel sorry for them. They come knock on my door, I'm going to give them Jesus. But I'm going to give them Jesus that's Lord. He's king of kings. He was not a created being. He's Lord. He always has been. He's the word and he was in the beginning. But the word came to us and we can begin a new life. That's wisdom. I want to tell you something, folks. The wisest thing you could ever do is get saved. And be in union with your creator, but be in sync with his wisdom. He's a, he's a mighty counselor. He's a wonderful savior, but he's a wonderful counselor. He has the answers. And when he's a little boy in the doctor, uh, 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 he has the answers to the doctrines of the Bible. And when he's a little boy, he's in the temple. Straighten out all the Pharisees and scribes. Luke chapter 2, 41 through 52. He had the answer for Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, a great scribe. And he came to him and said, you must be born again. Amen. You'll never understand the birth of Christ if you're born again. He had an answer to his critics, John chapter 2. Folks, he has the answer for eternity. He has the promise of heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Not so I told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. That's wisdom. That where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas didn't have much wisdom. He said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. And then he even said, hey, listen, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Thomas said, it suffice me if I can see the Father. He said, you're looking at him. <laughs> That's wisdom. I don't apologize for believing the deity of Christ. No, not at all. Folks, the promise of heaven. But folks, there's wisdom in the peril of hell. And the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell, tormented. I got a letter from somebody in jail today, so I got 18 months. I want to write back and say, you didn't have much wisdom, buddy. You had every opportunity in the world every opportunity in the world to have a good job, a good place, and a whole house full of friends. I don't want to stomp on him when he was think, thanking God he didn't have 10 years, only had 18 months, but I want to tell you something, friend. That's a waste. When you can be in the will of God, in the house of God, in the friendship and love of this church, it's a waste. But some people, they're just so hard-headed you can't teach them anything. But it's not hard-headed, it's hard-hearted come on now I'm telling you he is a wonderful savior but he's also a wonderful counselor our counsel comes with this from the Lord 
I read a book on counseling when I first got in the ministry. I needed to know something about counseling. And I counsel all the time. And I read that whole book, and the last, last sentence of the book said, well, what you ought to do is just be a good listener and leave them with hope. <laughs> I said, praise God. I read the whole book, you get that? Be a good listener. Let them just unload on you, vent it, boom, you know, tell you everything about their crummy life and everything that's going on out of the crummy, uh, you know, because they're out of the will of God and missing the will of God, and then just give them hope. And I'll tell you what hope is. Excuse me, who hope is. It's Jesus. I'll tell you why he's a great counselor. He gives you hope. Without hope, you're finished. Hey, there's no problem too difficult for him to solve. He still reaches out to those who have no hope. And through the book and the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, which is a name for the Holy Ghost, he comes alongside as a counselor and gives you wisdom and gives you comfort with his very presence. The precious will of God. Aren't you glad you're in it? Folks, I'll preach on this tonight, but I've seen people fall literally apart and have nervous breakdowns because they don't draw upon the peace of God. Their family falls apart. When are we going to start teaching our children that folks you need to put God first before you even consider dating? Because you might marry the wrong person and end in divorce and it's a trauma. You that's been through it, say amen. You know it is. And folks, listen. The counselor says, put me first. Put my book first. Put my spirit first. And folks, when you do that, all these things that you need will be added unto you. That's wisdom. He's wonderful. And he's not willing that any should perish. We all should come to repentance. Let me give you just one more name. Look at it. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the mighty God. Where do you think you came from? And I feel sorry for people that are in these public schools that are being taught evolution. I was in a little old town Wednesday, Hepsua. Can't even pronounce it. Didn't know where I was when I got there. They gave me a, a full-bulleted full uh, lab for love offering. I thought that was a blessing. I found out he wasn't house trained. But anyway, um, <laughs> mark that away from the sermon. Mark that away. But I mean, I, I, I said, Brittany, show me around. And, and Josh, Brittany's out of our church. Used to be a Gregory, now Williams. And she was so proud to take me to a little room out behind the church. There was all these little cubicles. There was a little school that they had in the country. I mean, you have to, you have to go to that church on purpose to find it. Just to find it. And boy, I'll tell you what, she was so excited that her two little boys who set up the dog thing um, was in a Christian school where she did, they'd have to listen to all this junk and all this worldly philosophy and all this heathen teachers that think there is no God. I wouldn't let my child sit under one of those guys for a second. They were in a little old back-roomed house with little cubicles. And they had to learn on their own. And they had some teacher that 
just answer all the questions, and she was so excited. That's wisdom. Now that's not, that that's despised by many people, and that's lowly, and that's not such a big shot, you know. We got campuses that look like colleges today, and they're putting out all these athletes that burn out their brains and drugs. So, folks, a little just a little school that teaches every day that God is God, that He's Lord, that He's Master that he's the wonderful Savior. And he's wonderful in his life, and he was wonderful in his, in his death. He was wonderful in his burial. He was wonderful in his resurrection. He was wonderful in his ascension, and he's going to be wonderful when he comes again. But he's a counselor. He'll give you some wisdom that the world cannot give. And you can be a lot of, you can have a lot of education, not have a lick of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing that God knows. And looking at this world through God's eyes. That's a pretty good viewpoint, isn't it? Because in that way you'll get married right. Amen. You'll raise your children right. Say amen. And you'll worship right. Because he's God. And he's Lord. And he's Lord of all. Why? Because he made you. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. I'll close with this, I promise. I know y'all got a lot of things to do. But this is more important than doing. We're trying, to get, we're trying to get down to being what God wants us to be. And the doing will take care of itself. Colossians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, and I'm sure you do, I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1, and I want you to look at verse 15, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. I guess they're all favorites, but this is so exciting. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Now look at um, verse 1, 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn among every creature. We better back up and say this. Verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Talking about Jesus. Who is the image of the invisible God? There's that logos, that's that word. The firstborn among every creature, for by him were all things, what? Created. That are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. Whether there be thrones or dominion or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. And class, say it with me, for him. See, he's a mighty God, and he deserves your allegiance. He deserves your loyalty. He deserves your submission. Some people have a hard time with that. Some of y'all married something like that. No, not really. Submission, perfect submission, resting in the peace of God. But look at this. It says not only were you created by him and for him, it says in verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That's where we get the word cosmic glue, uh, neutrons, protons, and electrons, and all this stuff. If, it's, if it fell apart, you'd explode. All matter has that in it. God knows all about it. He holds you together. I'll just say this, and I'll say it real quick. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be here. Number one, you wouldn't want to be here. Number two, you'd be dead. That's right. 
God spares you. You're scared to death when the doctor gave you that bad prognosis. I would have been too. Your family fell apart. And nobody wants to die prematurely. Everybody's going to die. But I want to tell you why you hadn't died. God spared your life. I drove through Atlanta the other day to Hepsner. God spared my life. <laughs> I looked at those big old Mack trucks. Come on, all you on the road, say amen real quick. I saw those big old trucks. I said, all he's got to do is, is uh, get on the phone with his wife and swerve on my lane and overcome my little old Avalon. It'll be nothing. Me and Connie will be in eternity. I just closed my eyes and just kept on driving. No, not really. <laughs> Come on now. God created you for him and by him and all things consist. He is a mighty God. God help you. God help me. Put him back on the back shelf this season. Put him on the last day of the year. Just sort of slide in here and slide out. Say, I've done my religious duty. No, this ain't a religious duty. This is worship. This is the word of God. Let's go on. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Here's the mighty God part. And he is the head of the body. Who is the beginning, the firstborn among the dead, and all things he might have what? The preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, in that baby that was born, should all fully dwell. He is fully God when he came to this world. He is fully man, he is fully God. Don't expect me to explain As the old mountaineer said, explain it or explain it. I just believe it. Why? Because he is a mighty God. Tonight he'll be revealed to you as the Prince of Peace. If you live the rest of your life without peace, one day at the judgment seat of Christ, you'll say, I had other things to do but come hear a message on this. And I didn't draw upon the peace of God. But I know you'll be here. He's mighty to meet your needs. I didn't say your greeds. What's Philippians uh, 4.19 next door say? It says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. We're in glory. But wait a minute. By Christ Jesus. He's a mighty God. He's a majestic God. He's a God that's worthy to bow before. You know what happens? We put ourselves on the throne and we get our little old way anytime we want, want it. And that's almost idolatry. Come on. We worship other things. We have other things to do and other things to be. And folks, listen. He's wonderful in his power. He's wonderful in his counsel. He's wonderful in his birth. He's wonderful in his life. He's wonderful in his death. 
He was wonderful when he overcame death, hell, and the grave and arose. He was wonderful when he ascended. And I'm going to tell you something. He's going to be most wonderful. And I ain't got time to hit it because he's the everlasting father. He's coming. He's coming. And the next time he comes, there won't be no agony. There won't be no Calvary. There won't be no stinking stable out back because there's no room. He's coming as he is. King of kings and Lord of lords. His name is truly wonderful. Father, thank you for the privilege to say you're our Father. God, I believe you worked in this message. I had no person to aim at. I'm just preaching. God, I believe you pierced my heart about you being more Lord of my life. My appetites, my desires, my dreams, my thoughts, my wishes, my anticipations, my desires and my expectations. Lord, would you please be Lord of all? Lord, thank you. Thank you for coming to us. And Isaiah saw it 700 years before the fact as a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, 